Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 318, featuring Ari Rubenstein, VFX supervisor and look development expert. Uh, we recorded the studio a couple, like a month or so back. Um, and uh, since then, uh, since this interview, Blue Sky has closed its uh, doors and, uh, film and filmmaking operations. And Nimona, which was slated to be released on January 14th, 2022 is no longer being released. So you will know that, that basically there's a lot of information that uh, Ari is talking about Blue Sky and his involvement in Blue Sky and how he got involved. It's uh, really sad. Uh, Blue Sky is obviously a very important uh, company in terms of the world of uh, computer animation. So uh, it was really some amazing stuff that that studio had done. So it's really a shame that their, their, uh, their doors are closed. Uh, but anyway, I figured this would be an interesting podcast to keep with posterity. Uh, Kristen, what did you think of Ari, though? He's a very interesting character, isn't he? Yeah, um, his story, I, it was very interesting listening to. It's the His career path to VFX is just not very traditional at all. Um, yep. And he kind of also talked about how movies saved him from a different childhood that he would have had. So that was really cool to listen to. Um, and just all the creative paths he has taken. Um, and he's like super mm -hmm. interested in new technology. Um, and then he also said, I, I like how he was talking about a Klossim experience landed him um, to work on Matrix Revolution. So that was awesome. Yeah. I love Matrix. <laughs> you love the Matrix? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. That, yeah, he, he's a really interesting guy. It's a very mm -hmm. interesting interview and uh, it was kind of interesting, but just yeah, keep in mind that obviously it was, it was only like a week or so after we recorded this podcast that we realized that uh, Blue Sky was closing. So mm -hmm. it was a really, really a shame about that. But anyway, nonetheless, we do have uh, a couple of announcements. Kristen, what should we, uh, what's going on right now? All right, so you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. We have one on March 25th, um, and it's the Real Time with Chaos Vantage webinar. Um, and then on April 6th, we have a free webinar, um, V-Ray 5 for Revit. So you can find out all the new interesting fun things we have at that webinar. Yes, absolutely. So you'll know more about Chaos Vantage and about mm -hmm. V-Ray uh, 5 for Revit. So lots of cool stuff going on. So go check those out, chaos.com slash events. And we have a couple of product announcements as well that we've been following up on. So what's going on there? All right. And you can find these out at chaos.com. So Cosmos, Chaos Cosmos has launched. So that is fun and new. We have V-Ray 5 for Revit and Rhino. And then we have mm -hmm. updates for V-Ray 5 for 3DS Max and SketchUp, both update one. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So all of our V-Ray 5s have been updated, or V-Ray 5 updates for Max and SketchUp, as well as V-Ray 5 for Revit and Rhino. And of course, uh, the big thing on all of those products is that we've added Cosmos, which is a pretty cool little asset library uh, functionality we've added to a bunch of those things. So it's really cool. And I think... Uh, Cosmos will soon be available also for Vantage. So you should check out the updates to Vantage because that's going to be updated with Chaos Cosmos as well. Lots of exciting stuff. All right. If you guys are interested in the podcast, where can people go, Kristen? You can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. Perfect. Yes. You notice we've been saying chaos.com, by the way. The chaos group is uh, still around, but... Or shorten it, less words to less letters to type to get to our website. Of course, if you always have any ideas for the podcast, unfortunately, the emails have not changed just yet. But if you have emails, uh, if you have ideas for the podcast, uh, you can email us labs at chaosgroup.com is the email that you can uh, you can use to do that. And of course, we'd always appreciate any kind of reviews that we'd have on Apple Podcasts. So make sure you leave us a rating and a review there and uh, share us with your friends. And of course, if you want to see video versions of us, you can see that as well. Chaos. And you can see Kristen's got a brand new pair of glasses. Looks really cool. I so do. you definitely check out the, the video of that. Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast is where you can see us on our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, which is Chaos TV, I think now. It, I think it's changed to Chaos TV. We'll see. Uh, anyway, go check it out. Uh, all, of our, all, all of our videos are up on, um, on YouTube as well. All right, that being said, please enjoy this really cool podcast with Mr. Ari Rubenstein. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. 
We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has fun. I really appreciate you you doing this uh, and, and and seeing the cool stuff you've done. I see you've got a a blue sky uh, uh, shirt on, and I'd love to you know find out a little bit about how that was and how cool uh, you know working at those studios w- would be like. But really, what would be great would be to give uh, 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 people a little bit of a backstory into how you got involved in animation and CG and all that stuff, and what sort of some of the things that inspired you uh, when you got into this uh, got into this world and, and doing all this stuff. Well, I was, um, I'm a late bloomer. I, I, um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. in Maryland, right outside of D.C. And um, it took me probably 10 years outside of college before I even chose to get into filmmaking. Okay. And so, uh, so it's interesting in that I feel like I have a whole nother lifetime that I bring to bear on filmmaking. And ironically, it's tough. It's, it's great to have that backstory. But it's tough when you work in a big company because maybe you have a lot more to express or maybe you 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 fit within a pipeline. Right. But you don't have as much um, opportunity to make a substantial contribution to the narrative of a film from a a craftsman within a a department. Right. Um, Right. I could have chosen directing or story or something, but I didn't um, because I'm just a tinker. I love um, a bit of a techno junkie. Uh, uh-huh. so, so I spent 10 years um, doing all manner of jobs, um, but nothing related to this. Um, I went out west. I was all into blues and concerts, and I, I did horribly in school growing up, and I, I could draw really well. So I, uh, you know, I didn't do any of my work, but I would sell dr- custom drawings to kids for their lunch money in, in grade school. And... I knew there was something there, but but anyhow, I went out west and I went all over um, the country skiing and going to concerts, and I got into ticket brokering and so that I could get front row seats all up and down the East Coast, and um, so it was a whole other lifetime of of doing odd jobs. And sound then, like you'd be an interesting person to hang out with back then, that's for sure. <laughs> um, Lots of adventures. Yeah, so there's just a, a wealth, I think, of stories to tell. And that's probably why I do these short films that, um, like when I work with the Chaos Group and other partners, um, uh, it's that's the area that I can keep exploring and, and doing things I can't do in my day job. Mm-hmm. Um, I do some great stuff in the day jobs at the different places I worked at, but it's not as, it's never as interesting as when you have full control of everything. Um, right. But um, uh, but anyhow, in Washington, D.C. area, there was just a couple companies, Discovery Channel, Magnet, all these guys were doing broadcast. But I, this was back in 1990. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was almost there was certainly nothing in that area of the East Coast and even up in New York and the people that I've met since I've been at Blue Sky. Um, there was pre-press and pre-press was what I got into first. And uh, it was just uh, Photoshop at 1.0 had just come out. Uh, but even before that, my brother had a business down in Boca Raton, Florida. I flew down there and stayed in an apartment and worked for these three uh, old guys that had an ad agency for like 50 years. And they had three draft boards uh, and they had and they just do signage for real estate and all these things. And they had um, they had a little Macintosh two Macintosh two or something. Uh, and they were like, you know, typesetting is incredibly laborious for them because they've got to just literally uh, do it all mechanically, do it all with practical elements on their drafting board. And even to change something from one month to another, a listing from 20 bucks, uh, you know, whatever the, the cost is to another thing, these ads that can turn over now 50 times for different magazines was someone that someone had a, at a draft board had to mock up every time. They'd use X-Acto knives and they'd cut it out and they'd lay it out and put it up and photograph it and what have you. And they said uh, to my brother, Adam, who was a client of theirs, could you um, uh, or maybe my brother went to them and said, my, my my brother's getting into this thing. So the short of it is I taught them how to use a Mac, too, 
for okay. pre-press using Quark Express Illustrator and, and Photoshop. And right. then I did that on, um, I, and then I created elements for this other client so I could get a job there. So I'd reproduce his work and then I'd go down the street and work for that company called the Image Workshop. And that was just me in a corner with Photoshop and Illustrator. And then this guy selling uh, every manner of uh, pre-press from corporate identity packages to um, just all kinds of communication stuff, but dry stuff like. So then one day I heard about this, you know, I'm using computer graphics, but I don't know much about it. And uh, um, this is me jumping ahead the 10 years of Okay, you know, bef uh, where I jumped in the industry, and then someone said there's a this thing called SIGGRAPH in Orlando. And this has got to be oh, like right, right. ninety two or something, uh -huh. uh, ninety one, ninety two. Uh, anyhow, and so my my boss probably didn't want to lose me, and he said, "Well, let's go up there. Let's see what that's about." We went up there, and SIGGRAPH in ninety two, the job board was uh, two walls of 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 cork board with sticky notes on it. And so I saw, but to me, it would look like, oh my God, there's jobs all over the world. I had already yeah. gone all over California and Colorado and Seattle and, and Tucson, and I'd lived in all these places. And, and I, I was like, oh my God, I could start traveling again and then my world could open up. Um, mm -hmm. And I, we went, we spent the whole time, four hours driving back from Orlando to West Palm Beach. And he's like trying to disfuse that there's nothing there. There's no opportunities there. Mm -hmm. But I, I got the bug and, and uh, I moved back to Washington, D.C. And I started doing jobs in Annapolis, Maryland for a company called FTI Corporation that did... Um, that did corporate communications and what's that called forensics. So like, you know, they had, I was doing things with um, direct Macromedia director and authorware for um, interactive courtroom deposition tools, yep. you yep. know, and, and then over here was this roundabout of SGI workstations and guys that were doing like re, re, um, reenactments of plane crashes with with really cheap CG, early CG stuff with, you know, right. $250,000 um, SGI machines. And that was the sexy stuff. So I went over and asked these guys what they're doing. And, and I don't know, there, there might have been a path there. But um, uh, but the short of it is that I, I got the bug for film. I started getting Cinefix and I started going to this Borders bookstores and getting all these $50 books on using Photoshop in interesting ways and Illustrator and um, and reading things like Alvy Ray Smith and his and Illustrator and techniques yeah. for people that he turned. And I was I've always been I haven't always been a history buff and I wasn't I was awful in school my whole life. But somehow the computer graphic thing just I could read the driest books. 500 page books start to finish like I remember our early one was called real world half tones real world half tones or something like that uh -huh. and they and it was just and it was so technical and yet I ate it up and I just kept consuming these books alone in mm -hmm. a corner of Maryland in like a little apartment and I, I I met a gal and I married her and then I said let's go to California because I've always dreamed of California and I've been skiing since I was three and um and that it's always been a dream. That's where all the musicians and every all the history that I'm interested in is out in California. Mm -hmm. So, and she she wanted that, and she's from the Midwest. And so I decided to um, I went out there. I set up twelve interviews, and I went on my own. I sat in like a, a, a apartment for a week, going to these interviews. Went through all twelve. They all turned me down. But I had made this little short film called Screwed about a, a, a craftsman screwdriver and a and a Phillips head screwdriver fighting to be able to screw something in a garage. Um, and then a Makita drill comes in and screws them and, <laughs> and he takes over. And right. it was shitty. And it was uh, with 3D Studio Max 1.0. Uh, so it was Max though. So it wasn't Windows, right? It, it was. So I had started. I got turned on by another guy at the uh -huh. place in Annapolis to 3DS Release Four DOS. Yes, then that was just before Max. Yep. So he was turning me on to that and the Yoast Group, and he was saying, uh, "Oh, this is amazing stuff." And because I wanted to do what the forensics alias animators were doing, yeah, 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 alias yeah, yeah, and yeah, prisms yeah. and sh stuff like that, and. Yeah. 
And so, um, so anyhow, I, I got really into that, and then it turned to Max, and Max was like a, a, a huge thing. But mm-hmm. then I went out west, and I did these, these interviews, and no one took me, and I called my wife, and I was like, bah, the bus, I'm going to come home. And I went out for a beer with someone downtown, and they said, you know, there's this place, Chaos, down the street. And I was like, oh, Chaos, yeah, they make those plugins. And he goes, no, no, this is the production outfit. A lot of people didn't know that Chaos, everyone knows Chaos from these tools that were sold, but Chaos Tools was a separate company. Chaos Inc. was a production company that had sort of a partnership with Capital Pictures, and they did everything from working with the Grateful Dead on Infrared Roses videos to yeah. um, to all, all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, and then they got into, I, anyhow, so the short was, I, I showed them my screwed animation, mm-hmm. and they go, we want to hire you. And I was like, oh, wow. And it was like the last day I was there, I thought it was a bust. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, great. Well, I'm going to go home and uh, I'll be back in a month because my wife and I are going to pack up and then we'll move out. There. This is great. And they said, no, 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 no. It's a month job. It's on an Intel commercial. It's a big commercial. And if you're not here tomorrow morning at nine, that, see that kid over there that's all dressed up with this reel in his hand? He'll be starting tomorrow if you're not. Right. So I called my wife and I said, I, I think I got to stay. Um, can you pack up? Anyhow, so I got the job at Chaos and uh, for the next five years, I... I um, I, I had uh, my wife came out after a month of working constantly with the Chaos team on this Intel commercial, and then my wife came out and we drove up into Marin and we saw, um, it, you know, for me it was like that's where the Grateful Dead and Santana and all this history that I was very in, into was. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this Marin, and then right next door it was Autodesk. Um, I don't know if it was Autodesk or. Yeah, it was Autodesk headquarters, mm-hmm. but at that point it was Kinetics. I don't know if that was a division Kinetic, of yeah, Autodesk. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, but um, but I was like, oh my god! So th- the people that make 3D Studio Max are right here, and mm-hmm. then the Dead is here, and then ILM is on uh, Lucas Boulevard right there. And so I just mm-hmm. pulled off the road up into this uh, townhouse community, and we just set up shop. And I was like, if I'm between ILM, you know, the Dead and um, in, the, in the Yoast group, I'm, this is where I should be. So, so I sat there, and then for five years I did jobs as chaos would have me, and then eventually I just started my own company called Curve Studios about a block away on Kerner Boulevard in San Rafael from ILM, mm-hmm. hoping that by osmosis that um, I'd get work or something would happen. Right. Um, and then my my brother was going to go to school in at RISD, and mm-hmm. I mean my 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 origin story is is a little different. I I was adopted at three, and then I met my biological mother when I was twenty two, and that family, I had a stepbrother, and that stepbrother I was made aware that he was going to get into graphics, but he was like as directionless as I am in a band and he was going to go to RISD to learn computer graphics. And I was just about to start a company in San Rafael and right. I, and I called him up and I was like, Hey, you know, Jordan, you could just forget that go to the school of the road and just jump out here and help me start this business. I'll teach you whatever I know. And we'll create a, a business yep. right next to the company that's doing this and across the street from the company that just made, was about to make, it was in the process of making toy story right so he jumped and then we got a little 600 square foot office um and he was a bit of an insomniac so um we just learned a ton sold a ton and um and and then we met people and then eventually i met um a group of people from ilm that i have barbecues with and i had just had a my first child and and i said to one of these producers at tippet studio uh, I said, you know, God, I'd love to get there, but I'm working on all this stuff at Curve, and I started selling a lot of work. I probably sold in a few years, um, in a few years, probably over a six, seven-year period, like a couple million dollars worth of jobs. Now, that sounds like a lot, but given the cost and the, the ebbs and flows of work, I still probably ended up 50K behind. Like, I, I was doing IMAX shots, feature film shots. I was doing 
game cinematics. I'd work with Maxis that did like SimCity, so they gave me 250 buildings to create for the SimCity 4 game. Uh, mm-hmm. Another guy left ILM and then cr- became a creative director at a company called Ronin Entertainment that created a Xbox uh, Bruce Lee game and I did mm-hmm. 250 moves uh, animations for that and I so we'd ramp up to 15 20 people in our little place and a couple freelancers and um, and it just kept but I couldn't refine any of the work because I just you couldn't focus on it because you just had to do what was within budget and what that client required sure. and they didn't require the type of refinement that a company like ILM Weta DD all them uh, but I wanted ultimately to go there or to mm-hmm. be able to get there. And maybe I felt like I started the company too early, and so I couldn't. So I told this producer at, at maybe it was an animation suit, at Tippett that I was like, well, oh, I'd love to work at Tippett. And they go, well, Phil Tippett is creating his first um, directorial debut, uh, Starship Troopers 2. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got like one-tenth one, one the budget that Sony gave him for Starship Trooper 1, or that, that they're part of it. And and I and I said, well, I'd love to just anything you can do to get me an interview there. Um, and that was when the Matrix was starting. And this was to me, this was the most um, this was the I, I, romantic is probably an interesting metaphor for for what was happening then. It was a renaissance, I think, in CG in that this is the early 2000s. So. Um, all over the world, you had the best studios working on three trilogies at the same time. They were working on the Matrix trilogy, the Star Wars prequels, uh, and the Lord of the Rings. And all these big studios were sharing artists, and they were flying all over, and it was just awesome, and I just wanted in. And so I told him, you know, I, I just want to work over there on Starship Troopers. And he goes, well, Ari, the thing is, it's not going to work out. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we're hiring all these guys from the Academy of Art. And they're, you know, straight out of school. You're raising a family. You know, you're the sole earner. You just had your first child. You got a business. They're going to pay you. Not, they're not going to be able to pay you anything because, you know, Phil's working with an incredibly limited budget. Um, and uh, and I said, I don't care. I've saved a little. I've made a little. Just give me one year. Get me in the door at whatever you want to pay me. I'll get in the door. In one year, you don't think I'm worth doubling my income? I'll leave. No harm done. And he said, if you're sure about that, I'll, 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 I'll talk, talk to them for you. And then I got okay. an interview, and I went over to Tippett, and, uh, and I sat in a room with 16 people. It was all about Starship Troopers, and they asked me a thousand questions. And I had four months before that where I had no work at Curve, my company. And so I created a, uh, a piece called Shambhala. And, um, and I, I read a lot of Eastern philosophy and went around all the national parks in college. And, and I, I said I had all these ideas in my head. So I created the Swayambhunath Stupa in Kathmandu, Nepal, on top of a mountain with monks with robes, with cloth walking around it, and macaque monkeys with fur, and all these, uh, you know, array of cloths, um, prayer flags, and and, uh, and all this stuff in one shot. It was just a pullout, an establishing shot for 20 seconds. And they asked me a couple of questions about that, and I'm like, why would you make something like this? And I said, well, because I'm just I'm not really into this as much for the commerce as for the art. I love this stuff. And I love mm-hmm. every part of it. I don't love one part of it. And the guy that brought me in, he's like, you've got to choose a craft. Like, they need to f- fit you in, slot you into a department. It's like, I, I get that. I guess I like compositing because as a business owner, I have to control the final output. And so I learned the most about compositing um, so that I could control every facet of delivery to my clients. Anyhow, so I the, the interview was about over. And then I said, "Oh, thanks." And they, they, the person that was bringing me in said, "She said, why don't, um, why don't you stick around for a couple minutes?" And I said, "Wasn't well, the interview over?" And they said, "Yeah, a couple more people want to talk to you." So then these two guys walked in. One guy was like six foot five, it seemed like, all in white, with a bald head, and ominous-looking fellow. And this other gruff guy comes in, and, and that was uh, Matt Jacobs, who's one of my one of my closest friends, who was a Tippet VFX soup for 22 years, and now has been at MPC, and now runs a virtual production stage in San Rafael. And then the other guy was Craig Hayes, which was Phil Tippett's partner. 
mm-hmm. and they came in and they said, can we see that Shambhala thing? And they watched it over and over and they asked me all these questions. I was like, I have a whole demo reel of all this other stuff. Don't you want to see it? And they right. said, uh, no, we're not interested in it. Everyone does commercial work. We don't care. I said, well, what is it about this? this is more amateur work. This is me learning cloth sim and learning fur and learning. All. And they said, we want to know why you did it. And so I told them all the reasons I did it. And they go, well, that's, uh, that's what we need on the Matrix. And I had no idea that. that and, I, and I said, oh, that's. that's uh, so I was stunned. And they go, thanks for coming in. They just walked out. And then like two or three weeks went by. No one called me. And all of a sudden I got a call. And they said, Ari, we'd love to hire you full time. I said, oh, it's amazing. I guess I love Starship Troop. And I go, no, nope, no, nope, they want you for the Matrix. And that was the best call I've probably ever had in my life. Um, right. I went and worked there for th- only three years, but it, that three years stands as um, a real, well, one of, those, one of those time periods where all the stars aligned. And I, I keep telling people ad nauseum and they you know, it's like when you keep going back nostalgically to that time period where everything worked for you, and if someone didn't experience it, they can't quite or, or don't want to hear it anymore, right? Sure. Um, but it's it was every single day. I couldn't wait to get up in the morning to go to work for three years straight. Every single day was coming in and seeing, certainly on the Matrix, and then Constantine was kind of the same thing. You'd come in, and you every corner you'd walk in, someone was doing something innovative and inspirational. It was mind-blowing. Um, and this guy, Craig Hayes, um, was a, a VFX soup. In all my experiences for near 30 years now, uh, there's not been someone that's this sort of renaissance character that was so into craft that uh, and so commerce was so secondary to everything mm-hmm. um, that... It just left a, a sort of indelible imprint on my psyche, um, so, and then and then, but you know, the, but then reality hit, and I had to figure out how to support a family. I just had a third child, a second child, <laughs> and uh, and I wanted a home for him. And living in San Francisco is very expensive, um, and I also had run a business. I had done all these different markets. I produced for all these markets. And then um, I thought, well, I'd never done animation. I worked in an animation pipeline, and I'd been watching Pixar the whole time. I knew everything about them and everything they were producing, and I wanted to get in there, and I sent demo reels, you know, left and right, and they refused them and didn't respond. And But there's a lot, there's several others. There's DreamWorks. I mean, there was PDI at that point and Blue Sky. Sure. And so anyhow, I knew someone that was going to Blue Sky who I'd worked with on The Matrix. So I ended up at Blue Sky. And I've been there for 15 years. Wow. And I introduced um, D2 But Blue Software. Sky in New York or in, I mean, you, yeah. Yeah, New, Blue Sky is, has been in five or six different locations, but all within a very, like, 20 square miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all uh, New York, Westchester, and then yeah. we just moved across the border, like, literally like 30 yeah. feet across the border into Connecticut. Yeah. So they've all, they were in Austin, they were in, um, White Plains. Uh, yeah. And, and now Greenwich and, um, the other places, but anyhow, um, and so I came in there and I worked on Horton Hears a Who, and that was awesome. Cause we were working on Dr. Seuss sure. and, um, and there was so many unique designs in their art direction and animation. Those two departments at blue sky, you know, to this day are world-class. Um, right. And as good or better than anyone out there. Like, um, uh, but I noticed that compositing was, I think, and it's not just Blue Sky. I think it's Pixar and, yeah, and not Animal Logic, but all the ones that were animation born. You've got places like Animal Logic and Sony that came from live action, and so nothing's all the strengths of all the crafts brought to bear in live action are applied to animation, mm-hmm. you know, without any second thought. But I think the Pixar, the Blue Sky, the PDI, DreamWorks, um, for them, it's almost like a different culture. Yes. And that was a little difficult, I think, for me to acclimate to. Um, but I have. Um, and But I animation, I, compositing has always been my love. And compositing so is what were probably- you doing? what were you doing at Blue Sky then? 
Um, well, there was a paint de- digital paint department, and it okay. was three guys on Inferno or uh, Infernos or what's the next one? Um, flame, flame. So flames. Uh, anyhow, but I was brought in. I was like, wow, I could work up a flame, and I didn't think anything of it. And you know, I knew people at DD, and D two had just come out, and I was an expert shake user, I believe, at the time. And mm-hmm. um, when D two sold out to found. I don't know if D2 put Nuke on the market in 205 for an off-the-shelf piece of software or whether uh, that it was sounds when about it came right. to That sounds about right. It was probably earlier. It was probably about 2003, probably. Right. But yeah. so so I saw that happening, and I went, well, that's a clear transition from Shake. And so I wanted to learn digital map painting, projections, and all this stuff, and learn Nuke. Um, and so I got my hands on it early and did this Chinese landscape painting personal project. Um, and I just created three different pieces and then I got into SIGGRAPH um, at the Electronic Theater. Um, and then I brought it to Blue Sky and I introduced it to Blue Sky as an option to transition from, transition from Shake because Shake, uh, the source code Apple had just bought, nothing right. real. And then they yep. said, you can have you can what was it there was a deal that was a deal breaker for carl ludwig who was one of the founders of blue sky who invented ray tracing with his partner eugene trabalski and they were like okay we'll use nuke but they were trying to decide what to shift to from nothing real because apple said you can anything you produce we own in terms of the source code and for mm-hmm. Carl, that was, no, no, we, we create our own software. We've got a great R&D team. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then another fellow knew people at Autodesk, and Toxic was was um, a, a software right. that, that could be a solution for compositing for us to shift at Blue Sky from Shake to that. And, and I was arguing Nuke, and so there was a bunch of, so once Apple said that they would own anything we, we create, so then Shake was no longer uh, a possibility because you yeah. could buy the source code for Shake for 50000 And we okay. were thinking of doing it, but once we found out that the stipulation was they would own whatever we produce, um, that was out of the question. So then it became toxic in Nuke. And mm-hmm. so I kept showing what I was doing with Nuke and this thing I got into SIGGRAPH. And the other guy was showing these other parts of it. But then I found out that, wait, we may have all these Maya licenses for 100 animators of Blue Sky, but you have to have a separate license to use Toxic. So then it became a financial separation. They thought they were going to get Toxic for free because right. it was their license of Maya would come with it. Um, yep. So it just went through these rounds, but eventually went to Nuke, luckily, because that's you know certainly ubiquitous in the industry standard. Nowadays, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, and so, so I think I had a, a strong hand in getting Nuke into Blue Sky, mm. and then over time, um, it, establishing a, a, a digital matte painting department at Blue Sky, which used to be anathema to them. They, I think, the animation world really loves all the challenges in creating everything, and maybe everything. In my opinion, beyond a point where, if you can't trick the eye one way or the other isn't the financially most expeditious that doesn't com- com- compromise the narrative and get to the visual uh, goals of the art director and directors more important than doing it in some type of technically purest means of every single building for three miles got to be an explicit building as opposed to a camera projection that the parallax of the camera doesn't betray. And so, so all these different um, things that I think were standard in live action and had a yeah. convergence into the animation world, but had a real, um, res- the animation world has a real resistance to some of these techniques from live action. And I've, I think I've always stood at that bridge and mm-hmm. because I came from that and, and it just seemed to make more business and practical sense without compromising the film in any way. And yeah, that kind of leads you up to today. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so you, so you've been at at, at Blue Sky now. You said what, fifteen years? You said approximately. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you've been 
mostly focusing on the digital matte painting and, and compositing area of things. Well, I, I was for a long while. Now I'm doing more lighting and compositing because recently we've shifted our entire pipeline into um, Houdini from our Blue Sky was born of this proprietary yeah. lighting rendering, rendering software called CGI Studio. And mm -hmm. in the past two years, we've been purchased by Disney right. from 20th Century Fox. And in in that long transition of approximately two and a half years, we've switched our entire pipeline and some of our leadership into a relationship with side effects so that Houdini becomes um, uh, our tool for lighting and um, and we a full USD top to bottom pipeline. Sure. Um, and so so that transition um, has changed a lot of people's roles and, and focusing our strengths in different areas. And so it's, the past two and a half years has been a revolution in at Blue Sky. And I believe I bet, that I, bet. I, mean, I mean, Blue Sky was, you know, for 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 veterans of the C industry and uh, CG industry and people that, you know, as an outsider, I always looked at Blue Sky as like the original gangster of ray tracing. You know what I mean? Like they were the ones that sort of created sort of a CG look that was always a little bit different. And when you definitely, you know, if you really got into, uh, you know, computer graphics and, and, and pure CG, you know, animation, you could definitely see the difference of the look between a you know a Pixar film and a Blue Sky film. There was something about a Blue Sky film that looked different, and it had a lot of things. And I remember those days were very important. Um, and uh, I mean, on top of the fact that Blue Sky also created a really really good story, so there was always this good combination of technology and storytelling that went on at Blue Sky that I thought was fascinating. It definitely makes sense that you know obviously times change and you have to adapt to new technology. I mean, obviously Houdini and, and, and USD are, are, are very important as well these days. So it makes sense that what you guys are doing. But I can imagine that it was a big transition for you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's one thing to be absorbed by a, a complete another one of the, you know, six, five Hollywood studios, you know, yep. they've been around for 100 years, one of those absorbing another. Um, yep. And all that entails when you're at a, a large company. Um, and then the pandemic during our transition of revolutionizing our entire pipeline. But what's, yep. what's fascinating about Blue Sky now is that we have an opportunity that almost no one, I mean, I, I would almost venture to say no one on, on the planet, all the visual effects and animation studios don't have the opportunity we have right now. We are taking all of the strengths that have been, that have been developed in the past two decades and we're able to take a pipeline and stop it and recreate it from scratch, almost soup to nuts, with all of the strengths that are in every department. And so it's a, it's a growing pain, but it's it's pretty exciting. It's It does harken back to when I was a Tippet and we were working on the Matrix and every time I turned a corner, there was new technology or new artistry and and uh, and then you get some guy that just worked on a Balrog in Weta in New Zealand, and now he's at Tippett and he's working on, I don't know if that exactly happened, but it was it was right. we were trading people from ESC, ILM, DD, yep. Weta, uh, on all these different trilogies, and every day you'd have some come someone come in, some rock star that introduced you to something that blew your mind. Uh, mm -hmm. And I believe that there's something akin to that going on at Blue Sky right now. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see what the out, outer industry sees on our current film, Nimona, which is the most stylized film by a long shot we've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it, but it's, it's a real, um, it's really amazing that Disney in i mean i just i you know i've been here for 30 years and i've been i'm one of those guys that i've got every sin effects from 30 years and read them yeah. cover to cover I, you know 12 trade rags every month you know i i probably don't read as much as i used to but right. i mean when i had my own business i couldn't get enough of this to my wife's chagrin she's just like can you get your head out we've got a family mm -hmm. um but i love this stuff and i still love it and that's why i do you know I do these shorts on the side. People go, well, you're 53, you're a senior in the industry. Why do you keep doing these things? You don't have to do them. 
I said, but I, I didn't right. get into this to make money. I feel like I've always smart enough. If I wanted to make more money, I would have stayed in tickets. Right. <laughs> uh, but there, I just, I, I still eat this stuff up. Like, I love movies. Movies, what sort of saved me from uh, a, a different different sort of childhood. Um, and it's still, you know, like I watch WandaVision now, and I, I'm, I was the kid that read every one of the Marvel comics from the X-Men, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, all this stuff. And I know all that stuff. And so I invested in Disney like 10 years ago. And I go, if they ever start making these movies, there's a fabric of narrative that is 100 to 200 movies. Um, right. And they'll make billions for for be longer than I'm alive. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what happened. Um, so, right. so, so I guess what I'm saying, I'm bringing it back to Disney, is that the fact that Disney is allowing this company, Blue Sky, to to um, recreate themselves and create um, a next level um, pipeline mm -hmm. that can produce things um, in ways that will inspire all of our sibling companies, um, as we're constantly inspired by them. I mean, I. Sure. Walt Disney Animation, Pixar is just like it's it's a very it's such an honor to be part of that that family. You got Lucasfilm and Disney and yep. uh, Marvel and uh, just that's that's remarkable because Blue Sky was that company on the East Coast. Yep. You know, it, it it worth its salt in you know globally, but one of the top animation studios in the world. But the connection to Disney um, is a whole other thing altogether. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before I do want to talk about some of your, 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 your personal projects and some of the things you got to do on the side. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, well, I mean, what, you know, being at, at Blue Sky for, for 15 years, and you must have worked on some pretty amazing projects. What, what, were, what are some of your uh, favorite projects that you probably have worked on? Um, there's two. And the one of them, from an artistic sense, it's epic, hands down. So Epic was um, uh, Epic was a film that we explored aesthetics that just had hadn't been explored before. And when I got there, I got there with a a fellow named Dan Kerr who was my lead on The Matrix, and we did some really amazing stuff. And he constantly inspired me on The Matrix. Like, um, and, and so when we got to Blue Sky, we really thought that they could do with a much stronger compositing effort um, that they could focus on this as opposed to thinking of compositing as something where you take the renders and you put them together and you make them look good and maybe you polish it and add a couple little aesthetics um, like lens flares and interesting transitions and such but you could that you could inform the narrative in ways that i think we did on the matrix that you couldn't do um, or they weren't used to doing in animation. So the success was we were able to create an independent compositing department. And um, and Epic was the film with, luckily enough, the founder, Chris Wedge, um, mm -hmm. who's really sort of the creative soul of the company, at least the way I saw it. But he came back, he hadn't been directing for many years. And they had given the directing duties to several other uh, really talented people but he came back for epic and he had this idea of creating this microscopic world of uh, people within his backyard in westchester new york in katona new york and mm -hmm. and i had these these image these um these things where i i go into the screening room and he would push his department soups and everyone way further than anyone else ever did and so okay. I, w I had been begging for that because we're working for people like Phil Tippett and the supervisors at at uh, at Tippett, like they really demanded a lot. They demanded sure. things that had nothing to do with the budget and much the chagrin of the producers who always had to accommodate. Um, I think that um, that that Chris just asked for everything. Like I just remember there was a point where. There was um, this ground plane, and someone said, "Well, this is our dirt plane with some grass on it." You know that, that in this this clearing here. And he said, "Does that look like dirt to you?" Okay, well, here's some photos of what dirt looks like. <laughs> and it just, right. and it's not to take anything away from materials as much as 
when you do animation, you create the entire world. So as long as it's in continuity visually across the board, right. it works, right? But then you have these artists that come in and just demand certain aesthetics and they push people much further than they would normally go themselves. And Chris was like that. And I think all the way across the board in Epic, uh, it was just awesome and a, it was a huge high point to work for Wedge. And, and you know, I, I might have a little bit of um, um, uh, I, I, I might look a little bit up to certain people in, in the industry and you know, I look at what Dennis Murin did, and I look at just different people, Peter Jackson, whatever. And then I, I looked at Phil Tippett, and then I was like, well, who's the blue sky? And then, and I saw Chris Wedge as a director for the first time, not just as the founder of the company and who had did Bunny and won the Academy Award, but I got to work directly with him. And I saw this artist who had stopped, started in stop motion way back, you know, before Blue Sky was anything. And I saw a type, a type of brilliance that, that I felt like. It's rare when someone really demands things and the finances just melt away right. and it pushes you and inspires you and and it sets a stage for who you want to emulate and what you want this industry to be. And um, I was talking to another company recently that that they're starting a, a new effort because and, and I said, you know, you can just be a company that serves the industry. Um, but what is it about your company that, that what is the soul in the machine? And if you can't really define that, and you can't answer that, then you probably don't have much soul and you're just trying to ex jump into the racket and exploit it in some way to make a buck, which is OK. Mm -hmm. We all got to support our families, but that's not the game for me. Um, and so I'm always looking for that. So anyhow, Epic with Chris Wedge was one of the things. The other thing was the Carlos Sodana um, made Rio and Rio it was the first time that I saw a director, he wanted to recreate his, the feeling that he had in his childhood in Rio de Janeiro. And so the whole time you worked on Rio, the first one you felt you were serving the director, which is to me, um, one thing I learned, uh, you serving the director is the goal. So if the director is incredibly inspired, you right. really feel like you're part of something much bigger than yourself. Uh, and Carlos really brought everything from the music and the authenticity of that environment and the culture. And it, you really felt it in Rio. And so I thought I still feel like Rio is the best Blue Sky movie for me. Maybe it's and I also had the opportunity to in, to solve a couple big problems in, in large environment shops shots. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. Those are great cool. projects. I mean, I, I definitely. I mean, Rio is a great film. It's a lo I always love that film, uh, and uh, it's really cool, really great. I, I always, like I said, I've always had uh, a fascination for Blue Sky, uh, both in terms of how things look, the technology, their 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 importance in the in the world of history of computer graphics, as well as the quality and amazing work that they do. So it's really great, and like you said, they're one of the best animation companies in the world. So that's really cool. Uh, but like we said, you know, you do tend to like, you know, do your own thing and you have to express your own thing. And, you know, you that's, you know, that that came back from your your your, your youth when you were doing all kinds of odd jobs here and there because you, you, you would do whatever it would take to continue to have the, the, the life that you were looking for and the enjoyment you had with music and everything else. So what are some of the inspirations? Because obviously, you know, well, I remember some of the some of the cool stuff that you did, but what are some of the other, you know, the, the can you tell us a little bit about the shorts? What How do you come up with the ideas and, and what drives you to make those things? Um, I've done several little pieces, but the first big thing I think I finished was the Blues Crab a few years ago. Yeah, um, it was awesome. And, and so I grew up uh, in Maryland and I go, and my family was, um, I got adopted into my my grandmother's sister's family, my great aunt and uncle's family. And that family, I already had three. They already had three kids, and they so all my siblings are ten to fifteen years older than me. And so mm -hmm. maybe I had, um, I had great parents, but maybe I had a lot more time to myself to just be in my own mind. And so. Um, uh, I couldn't really relate, you know, in a way you love your grandparents, but it, I was essentially raised by my grandparents generation, which was the World War Two generation. And, right. you know, they didn't listen to music as except for classical music. 
So right. as a teenager growing up, you're listening to classical music, and it's like they're not really doing it. Um, right. And I'm going up to the grocery store to get albums like Blondie and Def Leppard, or whatever, just like something to, to to alleviate this confusion as to uh, there's something out there that I'm not experiencing. And you know, my parents are basically my grandparents' age. Um, right. And then I had this family across the street that would take me crabbing on the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, nice. every year and they would take me out and uh, a black family that listened to uh, gospel soul r&b and motown motown specifically and awesome. so we go out and they take pick me up at three in the morning i live across the street so i just walk over i just jump in the car we all fall asleep all the kids fall asleep me my friend alex and his sister lisa who's a year younger than us father james would take us out and we'd sit on a pier at three in the morning and we're just groggy and we're catching crabs and but we're listening to motown and i don't know what it was but that feeling was like it was like i was coming alive and the classical music you know i <laughs> anyhow it just wasn't doing it so right. I, I that i just said that stage because um there was something about blues music motown r&b while you're sitting and the sun's rising and you're gonna hear you know nate sounds of nature and you got these crabs and then i um and i i think i got very frustrated at blue sky in that i couldn't express the things i wanted to express mm -hmm. and so um i thought um i've got to f i've got to do something on the side to keep my sanity because i'm one of these really uh it's not that i'm erratic but i'm very self-motivated and ser very um uh passionate and yep. when you're the bigger the company, the more they need you to just do your job in your slot and just be patient. And like, I'm not patient. Like my family can tell anyone that's not a strong suit of me. I need mm -hmm. to jump into things. And so by having these shorts on the side, I can explore the technology that I can't at work. I can explore the techniques and the artistry I can watch. Like, you know, you get a studio binder and there's, you know, 20 cinematographers and writers and and and, and uh, you know directors and and everyone's talking about the whole of filmmaking and I'm watching these things you know the voracious appetite for it and now I can have a vehicle to express these things so what do I want to express well I thought well why don't I express what I feel the most something from my childhood that like uh, blue crabs that I've been eating my whole life <laughs> and then blues which is a music that i went all over the country you know listening to delta blues chicago blues louisiana louisiana, louisiana and texas blues and mm -hmm. and um and then i some reason one day i just went blue blue blues crab and <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that's such a cool idea it mm -hmm. combines the two greatest things i love crab feasts and i love um you know blues and yep. so i thought what if i get to put a guitar in the in a crab's hands and mm -hmm. and what is the coolest thing about the blues it's that these old guys have seen more of the world than anyone yep. you know and and the stories that they can tell and the wisdom that they can share and so that's the notion of just like some old blues crab that's lost people because of the you know because of his exploits and that he just wants to sing a song and tell his story and i guess i suppose I'm 30 years in and I work with all these younger artists. I mean, when you get into a big company, it might be a financial thing, but it's easier to, it seems like everyone's around 20 to 35. Yeah. So when you're fifth, over 50, it's like, what's going on here? And then you go, uh, I'm not a soup. I'm, I'm not a producer. And yet right. I have these experiences that are legion and I'm, no one's really listening. So I'm thinking, what if you're that old grizzled guy, a crab that just no one wants to listen to. And you just go from town to town, almost like Kung Fu, like Keith Carradine, where he's town to town and he's trying to tell his story and no one's listening, but maybe he solves the problems. Maybe he doesn't. Fuck it. He just right. moves on. <laughs> Um, and and so I, I guess that was the inception of the idea. And the coolest thing was I had been invited to Bournemouth, England to to from this guy, Sophronis, who was heading up this BFX festival that's been going on for many years. 
Okay. This beautiful seaside town near the Isle of Wight, or at least a few hours from the Isle of Wight, on, right on the um, east, uh, the, the what's the channel, the, the English Channel um, mm -hmm. in the southern tip of England. And they flew me out there and I got to talk about Ice Age 5 because I created, I partnered with a program and we created um, a bunch of particle tools in Nuke and we used it for all these big space destruction oh, nice. shots on. And so I went to, to speak about that. And I met mm -hmm. this guy, Ben Cousins, and Ben uh, and I just, you know, walked around the beach. We're talking about all this American music and British music and it was like just compadres we've met minds and then i told him about this short that i wanted to make and he said well i'd love to do the the sound for it and he had been doing audio for this vfx festival part of it was um all through the uk a bunch of charitable organizations they would bring kids from all over the uk um to bournemouth for a summer to create psas for charities and so he would do sound um for, for the short films that they created for the charities that would then would get voted on at the end of the festival. And then people like me, the professionals they brought from far and wide would hand the awards to the students that won and then um, and then it would go to the, the charities. And so I met him and he was doing audio for that. And the next two years we worked together and he found some of his old friends, one who was a composer in London, um, who did the orchestra arrangements, another guy, who uh, Chris Hooks, who was a, a guitarist, rock blues guitarist, mm -hmm. had a band called the Jar Family, and he did all this, the blues crabs sound. So we created an original uh, soundtrack that was two to three albums worth of material. Wow. Of original blues and orchestra. Um, and then I used artists all around the world. So I wanted to explore remote based production, rendering the entire thing in a compositor. And that's when I got involved with the chaos group and I said, you know, I'd love to take V-Ray for Nuke and make the mm -hmm. entire film in V-Ray for Nuke. Yeah. Um, and so I did the entire film all rendered through Nuke and they created new technology. And then I worked with a company in Bristol, England called Yellow Dog that has an interesting cloud-based computing method where they've got a hub and they work with many other cloud-based farms and their software, I can shoot a, a cloud rendering request to to yellow dog and yellow dog then goes um, and queries all the open farms and then uh, sends certain frames to whichever and I would get amazing amounts of rendering power done like that um, Wow so I made deals with uh, and then the foundry I've known since you know d2 mm -hmm. uh, you know and I've knew so they supported me with nuke the chaos group supported me with v-ray Brist, mm -hmm. uh, Yellow Dog with cloud rendering. Um, I'm forgetting. Um, well, the V-Ray uh, Chaos Group also with Phoenix because we did right. the water and the Chesapeake oh, Bay right. with them. Oh, yeah. um, and um, and so, so that was great. And I put it into 100 film festivals. And I worked with artists from 15 different countries, 60 artists across 15 countries. And, and so then I went back the next year I went back the next year to BFX to talk about the film I was doing. And then mm -hmm. the third year I went back to premiere the film. And so I created this relationship with these guys at, at Bournemouth University. Um, and that's great. And then I just went, okay, I'm going to make another film. And now I want to make it about uh, New York, living in New York and what it feels like to live in New York and to live in the shadows. And this film is, that I'm doing now is called Small Blue Shadow. And it's um, something I've been thinking about for 30 years. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm just that's great. Rambling I mean, on. that's great. You know, the thing is, you're right. I mean, it, it, like you said, you know, working working for for a big studio is 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 great, and it's a nice thing, and you contribute to that to that greater good. But it doesn't always, you know, scratch the itch of creativity, right? So you sometimes feel like you need to be able to do your own things. I love your the, the the innovations that you've had. I mean, you know, like I want to push the boundaries of what V-Ray for Nuke can do. I want to see what can be done in this area, and that you know, and and finding out more about render farms and 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 getting support to do those things. So, all of those are wonderful. All right, that's a really great thing. And I, by the way, I've seen I've seen you know Blues Crabs, and it's 
great. It's a great short. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I spent a bit of time in, in, in Texas myself. I went to grad school in Texas. So, uh, I became a big fan of blues. I used to go to Louisiana as well. And, and Austin has its own flavor of blues, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, and, and so I've always been a fascinated by blues in different ways. And I was also, uh, fascinated by, how different blue like if you go to chicago there's chicago blues and it's so different <laughs> from yeah, louisiana yeah. blues and and somehow so cool uh and that's really great and of course i've been to maryland as well several times and blue crabs is pretty much a a sacred religion <laughs> in <Yeah>. maryland <laughs> and and a, and a and a really great feast for sure so these are great stories uh, i, I, I reached, really appreciate i even reached out to buddy guy who's my all-time favorite artist yeah, um, you know the the, uh, the buddy guy was anyhow. I, I reached out to him about the blues crab, and um, I don't know what I reached out. I just wanted him to see it and said, told him I was inspired by him more than anyone to make the film because. And there's a quote from him um, in the film, but um, yeah, it's just a real love uh, for a type of artist that I think the blues old blues artists sort of embody, um, mm-hmm. where. You're you're doing this thing. You're gonna. My my brother once sent me a guitar on my 40th birthday, and he he goes, you know, you'll. I'm sure you'll rock out until you clock out. And it's like right. I don't retire. I love filmmaking. I love right. I love the idea that you've got all these different creative people, imaginative people, and they're all working in concert towards the same goal. And you look at like I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to get political, but it's the opposite of this division. It's like when a great film is made, it's like humanity striking out on in all its best ways. Mm-hmm. Everyone working together with all their strengths in concert, deferring with respect and consideration to each other and and moving forward at the strength of all of us together. And it's like that was the matrix. Um, right. And I, I hope to experience that again. Um, and so, you know, that I think, uh, and I also think like when you make these shorts, when you do things on the side, the the goal is that uh, you're going to bring their strengths back to whoever you're working for. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, they may use them, they may not. It may fit into their business model or it may not. But like the current film I'm doing is that Unreal and virtual production, um, Unreal with, it's not even about Unreal. It's not about Epic. It's about... Um, GPU accelerated technology is revolutionizing the the filmmaking pipeline. Mm-hmm. You can um, you can visualize things in a much more um, straightforward way, and that opens up all kinds of doors for directors and cinematographers. Um, and it's not, and I think it it happened first in previs, but now it's like. Um, it's amazing what you can look at like I've almost I've got all my shots set up for the trailer for my short small blue shadow and it's all set in Brook Fort Greene Brooklyn and on the East River in Dumbo where this gal takes a a run every night um, and she can see past the Brooklyn and Manhattan bridges to New York City southern Manhattan and it's the most iconic of views in New York and uh, it's I can try a thousand cameras, but I can see it what it looks like at the end, or it's so close to the final result. Yeah, that it's so hard it, when you work at a big company. Each person that's a decision maker can only see what their experience level within the narrow confines of their experience level. And they go, "I can't. I'll, 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 in, I'll give you input, but I can't quite go there with you. I need to see that." Right, right, and I right. think the GPU accelerated tech sort of makes it so you can see it so close to done mm-hmm. that that separation between craftsmen is. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly. I mean, I've, I don't want to get into it because we're getting we're a little getting over an hour and I want to make sure it you know, give you your time. But uh, but yes, virtual production and real time technology is is big. It's why we're exploring it heavily. Uh, we're focused on 100% ray trace uh, technology, specifically because of what you just said, where mm-hmm. we want to see it the way it's supposed to be. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing. But this is great. This has been such a great journey 
uh, down your life. Thank you so much for sharing this with us and, and being able to let us know about you know, all the things that, that, that led to all these amazing uh, accomplishments that you've had. Obviously, you know, your, your time over at Tippet and, 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 uh, and Blue Sky, uh, as well as uh, your great shorts that you're doing. So I can't wait to see this new one. Remind us again, what is it called and when will it be, when is it going to be coming out, you think? When, what's your goal for it to come out? <laughs> Well, it's called Small Blue Shadow, um, yeah. and it will not come out until it's ready. Okay. <laughs> Good <laughs> because answer. Because it's not funded, it's going to just be. Of course. The Blues of Crab course. was a labor of love, but I definitely finished it at a point uh, too early. And um, mm -hmm. this one I just don't have to, so I'm not. I'm exploring, uh, you know, I'm, I'm exploring Unreal and Omniverse, and, um, and I'm pushing technology that's not even announced from a few different companies and I've got more partners than I did uh, before I've got a partnership with turbo squid and um, and chaos group and the foundry yep. and and just um, real illusion for character creators I'm exploring multiple pieces of technology and it's um, yeah it's just it's it's kind of amazing to be able to um, to partner with these companies, Gollum for these huge crowd simulations, and right. um, and it's you know I like to think that there's uh, there's a lot of benefit for people to 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 sort of collaborate from software developers with independent artists that have something to say, um, and that that can push the industry forward in ways that um, a little harder when you're entrenched in a very finite budget with the expectations like again i don't have to i don't have to final it people keep coming in right. going when it's going to be over and it's going to be over when it's right right yeah absolutely that's awesome well thank you so much i really appreciate it i appreciate you having me <laughs>